It is time once again for Playing Politics, this partnership between the Star Tribune editorial board and WCCO Radio. Chad Hartman here on the CCO side. John Rash and DJ Tice are here. Gentlemen, Happy New Year. Great to see you Happy as you. always. Happy New Year. This is live radio, and I was able to pay a little bit of attention while I was talking with uh, our previous two guests and the passing of uh, mean Gene Okerlin to the president um, on fire. The president talking for about 30 minutes on a myriad of topics. John, I'm going to start with you on the shutdown. I think the key phrase is going to be, I'm going to shut it down for as long as it takes. The $5.6 billion is well worth it. And if we thought a meeting with the leaders or we thought the new legislature at the, at, at the, with the nation's capital, the federal level starting tomorrow, was going to change the president's negotiating position, at least publicly, nothing has changed. You're quite right, and yet privately things may indeed change because Speaker-to-be Nancy Pelosi has said that her caucus intends to pass the majority of spending bills with the exception of the money that would potentially go to border security or a wall or steel slats or whatever the White House and Capitol Hill are calling it at this point. And that will not only push the president back into making a decision, but then the Senate, which is still run by Republicans, will be in the position where it may appear they are keeping the government shut down as well. And it's never popular if either party are held responsible for shutting down the government, but particularly when you're going to have an increasing number of stories about people not getting paid, about the desperate straits of some of the national parks and the you know, crown jewels of our country here, and just the sim- symbolism, let alone the reality, of the dysfunction in Washington may increase the pressure to either have them compromise or potentially the president to back down. Well, just on some numbers, Doug, there, there was a report about a week ago that I don't remember if it was Mulvaney or Pence went and said, here's 2.5, how about 2.5 billion? Mm-hmm. We'll do 2.5 billion and also give us another 400 million. That'll be for a combination thing. So basically they were moving from 5.6 to 2.9 and they were trying to position it that, well, Schumer might do it, but Pelosi won't do it because she still needs to be the speaker. Now, again, this is from the White House yeah, spin sure. on it. So they have showed an ability to move off $5.6 billion. Where is the perceived win for both sides to get this done so they can they can feel like they stood up right. and they ended up with what basically what they yeah. each wanted? Well, yeah, I think your question is exactly the right one. I mean, the essence of cutting a deal is that – both sides get to claim a success yeah. with a little bit of spin, and they allow one another to claim a, a certain amount uh, of success. At the moment, uh, everybody's calling for unconditional surrender yeah. <laughs> on the other side, and that's no way to uh, to make a compromise. You know, I have to say we, we have a tendency, I think, in the Trump era to kind of attribute everything to him and like it's never happened before. Right. And, of course, the 100%. truth is right. that these, these showdowns and, and shutdowns have become an annoying annoyingly familiar mm-hmm. uh, routine in budget making both at the federal and the uh, yes. uh, and the state level uh, and it's a it's a classic case of uh, having lost the art of compromise which is literally allowing the other side some kind of a win uh, it, it does seem to me that at least 
you know, for what they're saying, and they're constantly changing the story, but the White House does at this point seem more inclined to move yeah. than the Democrats have. And until that changes, I don't I don't see us going anywhere because in a way this is this is Trump's kind of scene. You know, it's turmoil, it's chaos, it's him being tough. What's not to like? Well, and, and John, what is what is interesting about this is, I mean, there's so many interesting things about it. Mitch McConnell has said he's really not a part of it right now, right? He said it's up to Schumer and the president to get a deal done. Then you have Republicans who wonder day to day, which deal does the president really want? Okay, when he's saying out here again today in the last half hour, 5.6 bill or bust, and then as I was saying to DJ, there are all these reports saying that they're willing to take $2.7 billion less. And then this is the guy, the art of the deal. This has been my point so often the last couple of years. It's one thing when you have an incredibly loyal base, which he does, and he continues to dictate his policies towards this base. But now here you are in the next two years when you're going to run for re-election, most likely, when you have the Democrats in control of the House – Show us that you can make a deal. And, and doesn't that have the uh, potential to appeal to, to other people who might vote for you? Well, with the art of the deal, one has to look several steps down the chessboard. And first of all, make sure you're playing chess and not checkers. And it seems that it was very one-dimensional to assume that you could force the incoming House Democratic majority to take the terms as you're dictating them at that point. And it certainly wasn't a surprise to the administration that Democrats had taken control of the House, that Speaker Pelosi you know, would once again reassume that mantle. And so when they did indeed have Republican majorities for a fortnight or so, as this came to a head in the Senate and the House, that would have been the time to work the art of the deal or to move those several steps down the chessboard and say, what are we going to do once the president has said that he will own this and the Democrats have the ability to pass these other spending bills and then in effect say, we've already done what we need to do. Now it's up to not just the president, but Republicans still controlling the Senate to say if they want to fully fund the government. And so, you know, I concur with my colleague DJ here. This one, you know, certainly looked like an annoyance at the start. Um, but this does have the sense of that this one may extend longer. We're already about halfway to the record longest shutdown, which is around 21 days or so. And Boy, it sure seems like we may top that record this time. You know, if you're uh, looking at it cynically from Trump's point of view, I suppose, you know, what is really the advantage of resolving this issue? Because what comes then? You know, about 15 investigations. <laughs> and yeah. they'll have a lot more energy to right. uh, devote to it. Right now you can maybe keep them uh, occupied with something <laughs> that uh, that works better for you. You know, in, in fairness, I have to say that when the Republicans had the majority, they didn't have a sizable enough majority in the Senate. Yeah, they to, didn't have this. To pass what they wanted just reminded, to do. They, they need 60 votes right. to get this done. And they and they didn't have the extra votes, right? right? And I mean, but I'm going to stay with you on this one, though. This is part of what the, the president had a series of tweets, no surprise, early this morning, including uh, his latest. Mexico is paying for the wall through the new trade deal. Much of the wall already has been fully renovated or built. Well, let's, let me just call false on both because, first of all, the new trade deal needs to be approved by Congress. We haven't seen it yet, so we don't know. That's not how he sold Mexico paying, by the way. Sorry. And – the wall hasn't been fully renovated or built. There's, the wall has been built by previous presidents, and they have built some part. But to say that has taken place for, through the first two years of the administration, 
is not correct? Yeah. Well, it's it, it's more <clears throat> absurd even than you than you suggest because, of course, Mexico isn't paying anything. No. You know, Mexican manufacturers importing goods into the United States will pay a tax. Yeah. And, of course, that will ultimately be paid by the people in the United States right. who buy those products. So it's I don't remember him absurd. offering, though, that nuance no. <laughs> when he would say Mexico is well, going to pay for the wall. No. Well, he, he often doesn't. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. But, yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it certainly is nonsensical, uh, but that's the way, you know, you claim a victory, I guess. Yeah. You're sort of rubbing the other side's nose in it, and the same would happen, you know, with however they resolve the uh, uh, the shutdown. But, you know, I always said when you watch these kinds of, of brinksmanship uh, confrontations, you can tell a deal is coming when both sides start to let the other get away with some baloney. And you know some some hedging. Although, although with the president, you're you're allowing yeah. that latitude quite a bit. Well, you have to give him some room for baloney every day. Yes, and you're going to have to allow him some victory. Okay, so absolutely. Let's get to another Republican, John, who is has been on the national scene for a long, long time. That is Mitt Romney. I, if you would have told me in 2013 we would be talking about Senator Mitt Romney, I would have said you're kidding me, right? That he had his opportunity, missed it. And that we'd see him occasionally, but uh, he would he would disappear. He didn't. Uh, he certainly was a very outspoken critic of the president during the campaign. Then, funny enough, he was willing to interview for secretary of state. Then he decides to run for the Senate in Utah, where multiple times he praised the president. He wins. And then he went after him pretty hard. Yesterday in the Washington Post, mainly about character, mainly about what leaders do and how they represent the country here, and abroad, and you need to be a part of the allies while the president is distancing the allies. The president went after him and said, listen, I won. You didn't. It wasn't as eviscerating as, he, as he's been before. Today, he also says, I wish he was a team player. How visible will Mitt Romney be the next two years during the Trump administration, maybe in the next six years during two Trump administrations? I think quite visible, particularly because the Republicans who were willing to take on President Trump from the United States Senate will be out of office as of tomorrow, where you know you had Bob Corker and Jeff Flake, and of course, sadly, the late Senator John McCain. You know, were the main opposition within his own party within the United States Senate. Mitt Romney appears to be willing and able to take up that mantle, and President Trump, of course, has an extraordinarily strong base. But it should be remembered, so does Mitt Romney. You know, we all remember when he perhaps. You know, came to our attention more when he ran for the United States Senate in Massachusetts against Senator Edward Kennedy at the time. He wouldn't have had that kind of base there, but boy, running for Senate and winning in Utah because of his family's deep roots there, mm -hmm. his Mormon faith, as well as the work that he did for the Olympics in terms of cleaning that up. He has a lot of people who have his back as well there that probably gives him some confidence. I think it'll be quite compelling to see how far he is willing to take this and to the degree that if President Trump really is on the ropes because of these investigations coming from Congress, let alone the Mueller investigation, if some people begin to talk about an intra-party challenge, mm -hmm. which if we look at historically, that has happened many, many times yes. and often come quite close. So I'd be surprised if someone didn't challenge and if some didn't suggest that it's Senator Romney himself. That's what occurred to me when I saw the piece. We'll reprint it in the paper tomorrow. Um, 
I thought it read like somebody laying the foundation for a for a challenge to the nomination. You know, he obviously can back away from that, mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's the sound that it had to me in kind of putting his marker out there mm-hmm. that if somebody's going to do it, I'm the guy, and he, you know, he might be right. Uh, I I keep wanting to say that, uh, you know, of all the astonishing things about the Trump presidency, nothing is more amazing than that he's made Mitt Romney interesting. <laughs> Uh, well, you know what else? Did you ever see the Netflix where they kind of spent some time with him? It really humanized Mitt Romney as a person at, as opposed to what a mechanical person he came off. I think too often like Al Gore has that quality. I don't know, I don't know if Al Gore has ever lost that quality personally, but people need to show who they are. So – what is our best guess? Like right Elizabeth now? Warren having a brewski. Oh, that right? looked natural, Isn't didn't it? it? <laughs> I mean, that looked as that looked so wooden and I so fake. I was expecting her to bring Brett oh. Kavanaugh over <laughs> any moment. You know, <laughs> some people. Ha- I guess some of it is you're authentic or you're not. You That'll know, show the better better O'Rourke effect in terms yes. of you know the number of times that he live streamed his activities, and he did have a real high degree of authenticity that really connected with voters and deep red Texas, where he almost unseated Senator Cruz down there. And so now it appears that at least she and perhaps many of the dozen Democrats or twice that many who are going to announce in the next few weeks may feel that they need to do that. And, you know, I think that that's going to get quite old quite quick. Yeah, we'll get to that. Let me just finish with what DJ said about a Republican challenge. As we sit here today, barely into 2019, do we think we're going to have a well-established name who will challenge the president. And is it hard to project that because we don't know when the Mueller report will be done. We don't know if we'll see the Mueller report. We don't know where the investigations DJ might go. And also, by the way, the president's polling within the Republican Party is still extraordinarily high. Well, you're right. There's many, many unknowns, all of which could change things one way or the other. But, you know, time, the, the clock is ticking. And if somebody's really going to mount a meaningful campaign with meaningful uh, fundraising, it would help if they started as a very well-known, prominent uh, individual. Mm-hmm. But still, it, they're going to have to make up their mind before too long. You know, I I can't imagine somebody being in a better position than Romney. You can't get very well, much better known. Yep. Uh, he's a United States senator sworn in tomorrow. So he's got six years that he doesn't have to worry about running for anything else. Yep. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I think that he has, uh, though perhaps not a lot of uh, affection and warm and fuzzy feelings, I think he has a fair amount of respect in the country. So, you know, he's in a position to do it if anybody is. Yep. So if it looks like a good idea three, four months from now, I wouldn't be surprised. What do you think? I concur with DJ. I think that he will face a primary challenge. I'm not certain it will come from Senator Romney. I don't know if anyone can tell that. Other names that have been bandied about include Governor John Kasich of Ohio, who made a very strong run. And, you know, you look at this in the relatively recent history and look at what Pat Buchanan was able to do against President George H.W. Bush in New Hampshire and, and make a real run at him. And, of course, President Bush at that time had nowhere near the legal challenges and the personal baggage and the scandals and, and you know, the level of, of vitriol that, that involves President Trump at this point. You know, you had President Reagan himself take on and almost topple Very sitting President Gerald R. Ford yep. um, in 1976. So this has happened. It would surprise me if someone didn't try, but I 
concur with you, Chatton, and as well as DJ. So much depends on what happens with these investigations. Okay, let's talk about the Democrats. Let's make it Minnesota. Let's talk Amy Klobuchar. Uh, she said today in an interview in our U.S. Senate, Senate office, I'm continuing to talk to people about it, and she is getting close to a decision about running for president. I watched two more pieces of analysis on the race this uh, this last few days where, again, Republican analysts are saying that the one who might have a very good chance on electability, John, is Amy Klobuchar. What would stop her at this point? What is the scenario where it's so wide open, she's just won another enormous victory here, she's played well nationally, what would stop her? I think very little at this point, unless she had internal polling or a sense that it just, you know, isn't meant to be and, and that, you know, it would be quixotic and, and could perhaps damage her brand here in the state. But I think just the opposite is likely to transpire where she will get a very fair hearing, particularly with our friends just south of the border in Iowa. She's well respected by the press and, and uh, by people who follow politics nationally. I think it will only enhance her stature. I think she will run. I think she'll make the decision soon, particularly with Elizabeth Warren signaling on New Year's Eve that she was going to do this. And I think so many of them realize that they need to get a move on because the first debates have been scheduled. They're six months away in June. They have to line up talent and treasure at this point. So I think that in these next few weeks when we're talking and playing politics, we're going to be talking about a wave of Democrats announcing their candidacies. You know, I don't know what would stop her, and I, I largely because I, I never know how well people understand themselves or their strengths and weaknesses. If I were advising uh, Senator Klobuchar, what I would say to her is, are you ready for this? Uh, because, you know, while she's had a great deal of success, she never has really been scrutinized yep. intensely. She never has been criticized intensely. She never has really had a test under fire. Well, I, And this is the ultimate test, and I don't know if she really has the belly for it. I think that is one of the key ones, because I'll admit, we, I, I've personally known Amy for a while, but we've had a fair, couple of fairly testy encounters here, and we have a difficult time getting her on. We just do. And I know other reporters at times have a tough time when it's a more complicated, more serious topic, when it's more of those consumer-friendly topics, she's eminently available. And the other one I think is going to come up is there, DJ, there's been big turnover in her office. I mean, the most constant by far of anybody from Minnesota. And I think that issue would be raised. Now, does that matter? Does that have legs? But, you know, but there's just going to be – the know, overall scrutiny is I, going to be there. I, I would, I would uh, again, see it as more of a symptom. I don't think staff turnover is ever going to matter to voters. But I do think it is indicative of the very thing we're talking about, which is – she doesn't take contradiction very well yep. and hasn't faced a whole lot of it. And if she does this, she'll face as much as anybody ever does in life. All right, we've got about two minutes or so, um, John. Let's talk about the lieutenant governor. We're about to have a new governor. And you know, a lot of times lieutenant governors just have the balance for gender, balance for region of the state. You know, obviously Tina Smith emerged to be very visible with, with Mark Dayton. And then we had a Republican who was lieutenant governor, and I don't know what she did or didn't do. But now Peggy Flanagan with Tim Walz. She's a legislator. 
She was involved in the campaign. What, what is your sense of, of her role coming up? It was quite striking when you did the editorial endorsement process and Governor Leck Walls brought her in and not just to introduce her, but she was a key component to the discussions, to the ideas. They work very closely and collaboratively, collaboratively with each other. And I sense that, you know, beyond the traditional duties, however light of being lieutenant governor, that she's going to stress some of the issues that have been important to her in terms of social justice, some economic dynamics, certainly her unique status, you know, of of her um, Native American background will be something that I think that she'll focus on as well. And Governor Leck Walls has a lot on his plate, and I think he's going to be more than willing to have her take on some of these duties, and I think she's more than capable of doing it. What do you think? Well, I think uh, the governor-elect often does defer to um, uh, to Peggy Flanagan, partly just so he can catch a breath. Because, you know, he uh, Waltz is like what they used to say about Hubert Humphrey, right? He talks 100 miles an hour yes, with he does. gusts to 200. <laughs> and uh, she does help uh, kind of slow that message down. Yeah. Uh, focus it a little bit, and uh, you know she's a good counterpoint in a lot of stylistic and and substantive ways. Are we going to get a a big overarching speech from Tim Walls next week, or kind of more pragmatic about what what we can get done? Based on my experience with him, which is considerable, uh, it'll be kind of a kind of a shopping list, and uh, a little bit of exhausting before what do you think? we're done. Yeah, and I think that. Uh, what he's going to try to stress more than anything is the legislative process getting done on time and with some kind of compromise. Much easier said than done, but he's going to say it yep. because that is not a marker of Mark Dayton's administration. Whatever one thinks of the job Governor Dayton did, the job wasn't always finished between with the legislature and the governor no way. until either the very 99th minute of the session or well beyond that. I think he will reach out to Republicans in a very visible way and and consistently, you know, will go out of his way not to criticize, not to not to pick fights, and I think people will find that refreshing. Great stuff, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Partnership again between WCCO Radio and the Star Tribune Playing Politics. We appreciate John and DJ as always.